1: Ultimately, you're gonna keep saying it. Get one percent better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer and we are back for another episode of One Percent Better, offseason edition. So it's quiet in Colts Land, and that's okay. Yeah, we're gonna take advantage of that. Um why well, you haven't heard from us quite as much. But uh, there is no real offseason because something's always happening, sort of, at least in the background. Um, so the Colts have been, are a little quiet right now. Everybody else, not everybody, but a lot of other teams are, are wrapping up their off seasons. The Colts did that like over two weeks ago. <laughs> so uh, they are in parts unknown doing whatever it is they're doing. Uh, but while that's happening, Zach, I want to start by touching on a Sort of a an odd topic for us to have to talk about. But um one of the things the Colts have been in the news for in the past, I guess, 24 hours even is uh vaccination rates. We have, you know, look, people can make their own decisions. It's, I'm not here to, you know, we're neither of us are here to get into the particulars of of vaccination pros and cons and all that. That that's a different conversation. But uh this is very relevant for the NFL. Yeah, uh, The NFL is trying to get teams to 85% vaccination rates, and that's a game changer if you get there. Now, here comes the news we saw yesterday uh, from Mark Maskey at the Washington Post, who reports that the Colts, Jaguars, Cardinals, and Chargers are among the teams with the lowest vaccination rates in the league. Um, I will couple with that. I had ironically asked a, a Colts source about how things were going with vaccinations before Mark reported that. And I got a very vague and unenthusiastic answer and just said, you know, we're working through it. There's some apprehension and uh, hopefully it gets better. That's kind of what I was told. Uh, So I guess this is a very long setup, Zach, to say (laughs) uh, this is a real thing, right? This has real consequences potentially. And I'm not talking about health consequences, which is a whole other matter. Uh, but what do you make of this? And you know, do you think there's still enough time that they can make up some ground here? And and just how worried as a fan should people be? I think it's hard to put your finger on
2: mm-hmm. why necessarily those three or four teams you mentioned would be on the low end, or why the Colts are included in that group. Um, but this is a real thing. You're right, and let's go back to November when they're playing the Titans at home and their best player on defense, DeForest Buckner is gone on a Tuesday because he tests positive, but doesn't have any symptoms, right? That was the situation with a lot of players last year. And you remember what happened that game, the Titans ran all over him without DeForest yeah. Buckner. So, you know, that's a concern. Autry
1: as well, Danico Autry. Yeah. Right.
2: And he was out too. And and they were, I thought that defensive line wasn't the same. And we've seen in the last couple of weeks, this happened. I mean, Chris Paul, of the red hot Phoenix suns. <laughs> and, and then John Rahm at the Memorial, he's got a six shot lead going into Sunday and he's told on the 18th green, you're out of the tournament. So it's a very real thing with very real um repercussions for these teams and their potential to, to be successful. To answer your last question, I do think there's time. And I think the more the players are educated, um, there's a better chance that they can, you know, get to that 85% threshold. But this is an individual choice for these players. Um, but y- you got to think, like, if you lose it to Forrest Buckner, your defense isn't the same. There's, you know, they can preach next man up all they want. But there's no next man up for Darius Leonard. Nobody does what he does on the field. And I can give you 15 examples for this team right now. But um, it was a real thing last year. And at this point, it feels like it could be a real thing this year.
1: Yeah, so it, the, the reporting that we've seen is that uh 50% of players league wide they've reached a 50% threshold where at least 50% of players have at least one dose of a vaccine so that's that's progress that's promising uh the the Colts presumably since they are said to be lacking or lagging excuse me uh i imagine they're lower but um you know look we've got uh, six weeks or so well, that's a pretty uh, long until, time i mean yeah you know it takes 2 weeks i guess quarter. to get you know a month yeah, yeah. So, but but they've got to make these decisions now because you don't want to be going into training camp having to still deal with that if you intend to get vaccinated. And I think that's, I mean, look, I felt pretty crappy after my second Moderna v- uh, dose, right? So uh, I can't imagine feeling that way in the middle of training camp. <laughs> you that would not be good for you. you oh, would probably my arm
2: was sore for days. That would not be fun if oh. I was trying to fight quiddy Pay in the trenches or whatever.
1: <laughs> right, right. So, uh, and and then to. To further clarify why we're talking about this, it's not just, it's not just, well, there's the obvious, right, is what Zach laid out, right, that players could miss games. Uh, But there's also going to be the reality that uh, there's some competitive disadvantage in another way, too, right? If you have a team out there who is, or teams, who are uh, at a certain threshold, there's going to be different rules that apply to them versus teams that are not at that threshold. So you know you can you can imagine that if you're you know, if you're the the coaching staff or in the front office with the Colts you know that and and you know that for example it will impact how you can have meetings as a team it will impact how you can congregate it will impact you know how you lift weights you know how many guys can be in the weight room all of those things there's all these little guidelines that that you don't see applied on Sundays that's a different deal right there's all these things throughout the week uh the preparation that's impacted as a result of where you are in terms of vaccinations but i i got to think i i want your thoughts on this i think peer pressure will be a thing here and i don't mean like guys pressuring others to do things i mean just guys you know getting peer pressure by by just witnessing what they see others able to do. For example, I was talking to a team staffer who said that was one of the things that they're they're hoping for is that guys start to see what the vaccinated players are able to do, and that may have some impact on them. For example, if you play on a Thursday night and now you've got a four-day weekend, well, if you're vaccinated, guess what, buddy? You can go see your girlfriend you know, four states away, or you can go... What Visit happened Mom, to Jonathan whatever. Taylor late last year? Exactly, right. right? Yep. That's a really good point. Yeah, he did not contract COVID, but his girlfriend got exposed and so he had to uh she came home and obviously uh, he had to quarantine as a result of that. He did, he never tested positive, but he missed what I think he he missed 3 days, 3 or 4 days because of that. So uh this is a real thing. So so I, anyway, like I said, I think I think that may have some some impact on guys. Like it's not just that they can go and come. It's also, uh, it's the fact that if you're, if the, if the testing continues, guys have to test on days off and look, you and I went through this for a part of last year, right? That sucked. Dude, (laughs) that's a really good point. So what do NFL players
2: value? You know, besides the football part of it is, is, is the freedom, right? During the season, their Mm -hmm. lives are so regimented practice, Last year, these guys were testing almost every day at 7 a.m. I mean, they had to test every day. It was mm-hmm. the first thing they did when they got to the facility. And if it conti- if it's continues the way it is, those who haven't been vaccinated will continue to test. And there will be the tier system, like you said. And it's a very real impact when it impacts who can be in the weight room, who can be in the meeting rooms together. Yeah, You think guys want to sit in a computer lab and do virtual meetings as opposed to being with their guys? That's <laughs> a very real point. And, and believe me. The Thursday night thing is a very real point, too, because when those guys get done with that, let's say they win on a Thursday night, Frank's going to give them a long weekend. They're going to want to go sure. visit family or friends or enjoy a rare break in the middle of the season. If you're not vaccinated, you're going to have to be in Indianapolis and you're going to have to test Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. So, you know, that's a real thing. And I think that's a really good point. There's a lot of sense um, in in, in just getting the team to the highest possible vaccination rate they can. Because it's going to give them, it's going to give them the best chance to be together and to be the best football team.
1: Yeah, so I, I'll just leave, I'll just sort of put a bow on it with this final thought, which is, you know, it, it's, it's ironic to me, at least, that it's vaccines really are, are what are going to allow us to have a normal football season, if, if that indeed happens. It's, it's really. the the truth, you know what I mean? Like we wouldn't be where we are as a country without vaccines, whether you want to get one or not as a, as an American, whatever, that's your choice, but you have to at least acknowledge, well, these vaccines, we'd be screwed, right? We would be in a whole different place and you would not be hanging out at bars and doing whatever it is you're doing right now. You know, that it has been so nice
2: to get out and, and not wear a mask and search like it restaurants and go to the grocery. And it's just been, Oh, it's been huge.
1: Yeah. So it would be ironic if <laughs> these players, as a, res- as a result, who are benefiting and obviously, you know, want full crowds and all these things, you know, if all these things that are made possible by vaccines. And, and yet it's interesting that they, uh, as a group, haven't completely embraced it. So that's, uh, I don't know, that, I guess, like I said, that's interesting. You, know, you can make up your own minds on what you think about it. So
0: <laughs>
1: Looking for an assist
0: with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream TV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on TV makes up for your mother not you chewing your sunflower seeds. TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. <laughs> Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: All right, uh, let's change gears, Zach. So the the Colts, as I said, it's been quiet. Um, this is something we've touched on before, but I think it's it's worth revisiting because there's been some some other developments in other places. So there's teams out there working right now, and I, I think. They are some of them are taking a very different approach to the Colts. I'm seeing highlights of guys getting after it, you know, playing offense versus defense, helmets on, cornerbacks and wide receivers mixing it up. Colts did none of that. Okay. What we watched was like completely foreign. I've seen some of these clips and I'm like, whoa, we didn't see any of this stuff. Um, And I've been trying to kind of figure out like, what does and doesn't matter and i don't know the answer and we probably won't know until we see what the colts look like but it, it's a big contrast i mean have you seen that and and i'm trying to figure out like who's right and who's wrong i don't know that we know but it is kind of interesting to to contrast what we've seen elsewhere and what we're seeing what we did see with the colts have you seen that as well yeah, and, and and there's sort of two sides to it. I mean, you saw what happened
2: with the 49ers a week or two ago. They had two yep. starters go down with pretty serious injuries and and those guys aren't going to play this season. So that was, you know, part of the part of the impetus behind Ryan Kelly and the players union saying, you know, we're not going to have a normal off season. We're going to fight for some more time off. I get it from that point, but let me ask you this. Do you think if Frank Reich was speaking completely honestly, you know, we asked him after the OTAs, "Did you guys get some work done?" He said, "Yeah." Do you think Frank Reich wishes his team was on the field this week?
1: I think the oh, answer no would question. be yes, right? No question, no. question. Yeah. I mean they. Yeah, I mean he's. I think we've had some conversations to that effect, and I that was the impression I got for sure. Yeah,
2: and and, and the, I guess I always break it down like this: like even the first three or four days of training camp, it's like, are they playing football? Or are they? Are they in shorts? And it's very, very different things. We've seen some players stand out in these situations. And then when they put the pads on, they fade. Right. And, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get a real sense until they're playing football. But last year, honestly, changed my perception of this because they weren't on the field at all together until late July, the earliest, probably early August. And everything was so weird. I mean, you had Philip Rivers coming into a new offense. And he was wearing a mask on the field, and he was throwing to T.Y. Hilton for the very first time. And um, it was just a crazy offseason, and they still they still went out there and won 11 games, right? Um, so it can be done. But it's hard not to think objectively that other teams are getting a leg up right now on June 16th than the Colts are because they're playing something that's pretty close to real football, and the Colts are really scattered across the country doing their individual workouts. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it boils down to I, I think when you bring it down to the the simplest level, I really feel what this is is a question of is the rest more valuable than getting the work in, right? And or not even rest, but I guess the, the better way to phrase it is preserving their bodies, right? And and having healthy players um is 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 minimizing that risk greater than the benefits you get. From doing the work, right? Whatever it is that your team's going to do. I, I don't know that answer, but that's the question. And I We think probably that's... won't get
2: that answer until
1: September, October, December, right. you know? Right. Now, I, I will tell you, here's another variable that's going to come into play. I've I've, ho- I've heard that the coaches told the players to be ready when training camp gets here because it's going to be tough. And that's to be expected, I guess, when you think about it. They didn't do much this offseason. season. And the coaches are probably feeling like they've got to make up for lost time, not only in preparing their players, but but really making sure uh, they they have the, uh, the, the physical ability to endure the season. But, the, you know, there's a fine line with that, too, right? You don't want to beat them into the ground, you know, two weeks before the regular season starts. So this will be very interesting. And I think there's going to have to be a lot of, you know, careful steps taken by – by Frank Reich and his staff, and 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 Rusty and the the performance staff as well, in terms of how they go about this, so it's going to be interesting. I, I I will say, I agree with what you said about last year. They they came out of the gate and they did what they had to do, and and they were fine. I mean, I thought they executed at a pretty <laughs> except high except for level. that Week
2: One game, right?
1: Yeah. Well, there's that, <laughs> but that's a yearly tradition around here. Right. I mean, what, you expected the Colts to win week one?
2: <laughs> you remember talking to Reich about that a couple of weeks ago, and um, it's always going to be a point of emphasis from Jim Mercer. Got to win that week one game. Got to win that week one game. <laughs> I said, Frank, I'm not even going to mention that you guys haven't won one since 2013. And he got a laugh out of that. So here we go again.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm ready for our August interview with Jim Mercer in which he says something to the effect of week one's, the most important game of the season. You know, <laughs> he can't help it. He wants to win an opener so bad. I think he just wants to say he's 1-0 for a change. I think that's all it is. <laughs> right, right. He that's true. He just wants to say it. He hasn't been able to say it for a while. So, anyway, uh, that opener against Seattle, that that's going to be definitely a, a big game. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I don't know who's right and who's wrong, but I, I think that there is a lot of value in having – healthy players in June. (laughs) It's better having healthy players in like October, but but maybe there's a relationship, you know?
2: Yeah. And like, let's say they did have practices and let's say they lost one guy. Let's say Marlon Mack comes back and and hurts himself and he's done for the year. It's like, then it it, it almost wasn't worth it. If you, you know, if, if you lose that one piece or, you know, they got three guys coming off Achilles, so they wouldn't be out there. And um, I don't know. I can definitely see both sides. The players pushed really hard, you know, to get this done before Memorial Day. And and I know they're all working. They're working all over the country in different places. I know Carson Wentz stayed in Indianapolis to throw with some guys. And then they're going to meet again in June. They're going to meet again in July before camp starts. So believe me, they're not just, you know, sitting on the couch. Um, Some of them are playing golf. I do know that for a fact. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting point you made that, that a coach kind of let them know, like, look, July 26th comes around, like, we got to go. We got to be ready to go because we didn't get everything done in the offseason that we normally would have. Um, and and look, they got, you know, they got preseason games this year as opposed to last year. Um, so I'm excited. And, and I'll be honest, like a, you've covered this team one more year than I have, but I think it's seven or eight for both of us. And this is probably the most excited I've been to cover a training camp in some time because it's going to feel normal again for one in Westfield. I love Grand Park. It's such a great venue. If you haven't been up there. You know, hopefully the fans are back in a full capacity this year. I think they will be. Two, you're going to watch Wentz. We're going to see what he looks like. He's going to be fun to watch. He's a big, strong quarterback. He can move. There's going to be some highlight plays. And three, I just think this roster's with a couple questions answered, I think they could be really good. But those are big questions. It's some of the biggest question marks on the field for any team, left tackle, pass rush, quarterback. Um, But, you know, when I think about all the different questions we have to answer in camp – I think it's going to be really fun to get back to Westfield and watch football again.
1: Yeah, I think top to bottom they got a really great roster. The the question is it, it is ironic that with such a, a great roster top to bottom their questions are at some of the the most critical spots and that's that's what makes evaluating the Colts hard, you know. So, uh speaking of of which in terms of evaluating them versus their peers, let's we I don't think we've done a an episode since the Julio Jones trade, and you know you it's a, this has been evaluated and dissected you know forwards and backwards, but that's fine uh I think though there's still a, a a discussion here to be had in terms of whether this tilts the balance in this division and this this question has been posed to me quite often, and I'll tell you how I feel I don't think it does and And if people care, I'll give you my my rationale. So Julio Jones, let me start by saying, Julio Jones is amazing. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. If he's not, I don't know why. He's greatest receiver in his generation, I think. And so, right. So that guy, clearly you add that guy to your roster, that's a game changer. That is true. However, here's a couple things that are not being, I think, included in this conversation. And I think they're critical. Number one. Tennessee's defense is absolutely wretched, and they haven't done anything to improve it, first of all. Uh, So so that's a problem. They're 29th in efficiency last season and 28th in yards allowed. So they're a bottom five defense, you know, by the numbers, okay? Now, the other thing is, okay, Julio Jones, fantastic player. The other thing, though, that, that no one... Mentions is it's offset on some level by the losses of Corey Davis and John Lewis Smith. Those two guys, wide receiver and tight end, combined for 106 receptions last season. That's a lot. That's a lot. Is Julio Jones going to catch 106 balls? He might, but even if he does, uh, how much is the net gain there? Not statistically, but just in terms of you know what what sort of dangerous team they are. So so I don't know. I, I think I think people have to look at this in context. So anyway, that's a mouthful. But I don't know. Did did you have thoughts on whether this was like a game changer for the AFC South? I still think it's a two-team race.
2: No, I think it's definitely a two-team race. And I would give the edge to the Titans for a couple of reasons. And it's a really, really small edge. Number one being mm-hmm. they're the defending champs. And I know that both teams finished 11-5. and five. They both beat the crap out of the other team. On the other team's home field last season, it was basically a wash, right? It was that weird tiebreaker yeah. scenario. But the Colts haven't won a division since thir- since fourteen, and and I know that's a sticking point for for Jim Merce. For you know, I think I know it bothers Frank Reich. You know, Chris Ballard wants to win that division, so you know, until the Colts do it, I think the Titans have a slight edge. And then, secondly, Julio is a game changer in a lot of ways. No, I don't think he replaces all that production. Um, if look, this guy hasn't had double digits in touchdowns since 2012, he only had three last year, six mm-hmm. the year before. Um, he does catch a lot of balls, he plays a lot of games. I mean, there's a lot of Julio doesn't play, he always gets hurt. I mean, he played nine games last year, so he missed some games last year, but before that, 15 starts, 16 starts, 16 starts, 14 starts, 16 starts. So he's been yeah, available, yeah, that's been
1: overblown completely. Yeah, yeah.
2: and then also, like you said, he's. I mean, I was at that Houston Super Bowl where the, the Falcons lost to the Patriots, and he made probably the greatest catch I've ever seen in person with that toe tap mm-hmm. on the sideline in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. That's the kind of talent they're getting. Now, he's, he's 31, so he's not in his prime anymore. But Julio Jones against a guy like Rocky Sin has to be a scary thought for Colts fans. He's, this guy, he's a guy you have to scheme against. And Ryan Tannehill... Is a very efficient quarterback. You know, I was doing the numbers yesterday for a story I'm working on for next week about, you know, what what do they need from Carson Wentz and, you know, Tannehill is sort of the blueprint. I mean, he was like fifth or sixth in QBR last year among the 14 playoff quarterbacks. I think that would surprise a lot of people. I think he was a couple spots ahead of Brady, but, um, you know, there's no doubt Julio is going to make Ryan Tannehill more efficient. And then you're forgetting the the biggest factor of their entire offense, uh, Derrick Henry, and and really an MVP type running back. So I think, I think for a couple of very small reasons, they have a, a very small edge. But like you said, the Titans defense doesn't scare me. It certainly doesn't scare the Colts the way they beat the crap out of them on that Thursday night game in Nashville last year. Um, I think it's going to be fun. And, and I think these teams, I think it's, it's very clear, right? Like, there's two big brothers in the division right now, and then there's the two little brothers. Houston's going nowhere right now. I don't know what the situation is with Deshaun Watson, but I don't know what team is around him. Jacksonville's probably going to take some time. Um, it's Houston, it's, it's it's Indianapolis, and it's Tennessee. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. And I know the Colts, you know, they're going to say it from July 25th on. Our first goal is to win the division because it's been a long time since they've done it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to have you know. Priorities, and that's that's got to be their first priority, no question about it. Uh, you know, you, you said something interesting there, and actually, it's funny because I wanted to touch on this. You know, you, you talked about Tannehill being maybe a, a blueprint for for uh, Carson Wentz, and it's funny. I was asked on the radio, in fact, just this morning, what I thought about ranking the AFC South quarterbacks, and it was actually thought provoking, and it got me thinking. You know, the whole how do I see Ryan Tannehill, right? And I think I think he's he's very efficient. There's no question about that. I mean it's but 33 is he more and of, seven last year. 33 touchdowns yeah. to seven picks. Yeah. I, I, I still though it's it's still hard to see him as more than a product of a good system with good skill players and him really just Fitting well within that, but that's okay, right? Yeah, and, you'll take that. And I think if you don't have, yeah. you know, the luck of finding an Aaron Rodgers or a Mahomes right. or a Brady, and that's what Carson Wentz could be. There's no question. I think that is. It's not necessarily the best case scenario. The best case scenario is he's just an absolute, you know, playmaker, and he he you know makes game changing plays. Don't you think but the upside of that- with Wentz is higher? I do, I do. Yeah, that's think an important distinction. I think distinction. The, the downsides are higher too. <laughs> yeah, as we saw the last in Philadelphia. Of, right, the, the range of possibilities is is much bigger, right, with Carson Wentz. I think you get a more predictable outcome with Ryan Tannehill. And with Carson Wentz, it's kind of like, okay, it could be anything, right? But, but he definitely has, I think, a little bit better skill set. Uh, definitely he's got the arm. He's probably a little better. Well, I don't know if he's a better athlete. Ryan is a pretty good athlete, but but he has the athleticism, he has the arm, and I think coupled together, there's a lot there. But he's got to put it together, and he's got he's got to fine tune a lot of that. So we'll see. But anyway, my my like spur of the moment off the top of my head ranking for the quarterbacks in the division was Deshaun was- Deshaun Watson with a huge asterisk, like. I don't even know what the asterisk is for, but I don't know where he's going to be, right? Or or if he's going to be on the field. I have no idea. I don't if he, if he is, it. he's the best quarterback in the division,
2: but there's so many yeah. so many questions to answer before he is.
1: Right. Uh, and then I think I had to give the edge to Tannehill just in the in the short term, you know, because I think, is that recency bias? Maybe, but I think that's okay. I mean, what you have from their most their more recent performances there's no question Tannehill gets that that edge over Carson there's no question and and that what Carson wins just because he's done it before and and then uh Trevor Lawrence fourth but I think you know Trevor Lawrence may have something to say about this before it's over with right and,
2: and don't forget the, the Titans had a big loss this offseason in Arthur Smith you know their offensive mm-hmm. play caller their offensive coordinator and the Colts lost their offensive coordinator as well Nick Sirianni but he's not calling the plays and that's that's a big deal because they had it. Yeah. Arthur Smith did a really good job of balancing Tannehill's strengths with with the monster at running back they have in Derrick Henry, and and yeah, but they they did lose some talent in, in Johnny Smith and Corey Davis, and you know they do have a pretty dynamic one-two punch though with Brown and with Jones if he's healthy. But um, yeah. it's going to be fun. It's going to be a two-team race, and it's going to be fun. And, and like you said a couple weeks ago, I think it comes down to week. 17 or week 18. I guess there is 18 weeks now. 17 <laughs> games. Um it'll be it'll be a late December thing where we're figuring out who's going to win this division, I think between those two teams. Yeah.
1: I mean that's okay. That's fun. I mean I I think that's in most divisions, that's the way it is. Very few teams are able to run away with their division. I mean, you you see some divisions where you've got two and three teams in the final week you know with things still hanging in the balance. So this is the way it should be. And and I don't think that there's any shame in having to go down to the wire with Tennessee because they're a good team. And you know they've won the division now uh well I was going to say the last couple of years they won it last year they've been in the thick of things you know for several years now. This is just what it is, all right? This is their reality. Uh the the days of coasting to the AFC South title they're over, right? I mean they're over. I I think in a couple of years, we could be looking at Jacksonville being a team that is on the come. To be completely right. honest, right? I mean, with they have they're following the Colts blueprint a little bit, which is to say they tried to maximize their high draft picks this year. You know, they had, they had a ton of picks. They're, they did a, a, a bigger version of what the Colts did in 2018. So they have like doubled down on the draft and like got all these young exciting players. Those guys are going to grow up, okay? And some of them are going to pan out. Some of them won't, but some will. And I think this is going to be a division that's just going to remain competitive. That's okay. And then one day, Houston will figure out what's going on. <laughs> will <laughs> they? We'll it doesn't seem uh, like they're... I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know why. So, anyway, uh, that's what we got for today. Uh, say Hey, by the way, we're doing something new. Uh, it's a It's a new product from apple so if you're an ios subscriber uh, check this out it's a uh, a apple bonus episode what we'll do is uh, we'll we'll take some questions from readers and we'll address them on there Uh, this is a, a separate subscription on apple that you can do and if you do subscribe to that you get to you actually unlock all of these bonus episodes from all of the athletic podcasts we've got a bunch of them so it's a nice little extra if you're interested in it. So check it out on Apple. Uh, you'll also hear that if you're listening to this on, what's today? Wednesday. We'll we'll do that here as well and release that today in addition to this episode. So check it out. Uh, we'll have the first one up for you today. Uh, beyond that, uh, that's it for this episode. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. We'll be back periodically. Won't be as common as, you know, when the season gets going, but uh, we'll check in with you here from time to time, let you know what's going on with the Colts. And uh, yeah, we'll, we're always available Uh, on The Athletic with new stories every day. All right, so that's it for me. And Zach, thanks for listening to 1% Better.